How do you build a life where you are excited to wake up in the morning, become excellent at what you do and create the greatest possible good for yourself, others and the world? That's our guiding question on The Master's Journey. Hey, my friend, my name is Lucas Kramer, coach, co-founder, and your host on the Master's Journey podcast, where we have conversations with existing and aspiring masters of life and business to share with you how they found their path in life, the real challenges they have had to overcome and how they did it, and what strategies, practices, and questions you can implement in your life to follow in their footsteps. And my guest today is powerhouse Jody Medell. Jody has been in the field of physical therapy for almost 30 years. This gives you an idea of how passionate she is about her work. She views herself as someone who sculpts the body with her hands as she finds the core of the problem or problems and works with the tissues to release the restrictions. Jody finds the osteopathic approach most in alignment with her belief system as it honors a dialogue with the tissue, the belief that the human body is a functional unit and that the body has an inherent ability of auto-regulation and healing. Jody has been an athlete most of her life. She's fascinated by human movement and the capacity of the human body to change given the forces imposed on it. Much of her vision and drive has been developed through her athletic experiences. Throughout her career, Jody has been an entrepreneur with opening up the running hub in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is Santa Fe's only running speciality store, and Integration Therapy LLC, both in Santa Fe, New Mexico and Crested Butte, Colorado. Jody is also very passionate about being a mother to her 11-year-old son, running in the mornings, biking, skiing, and working out in her ultimate home gym. During this conversation, we cover how Jody figured out that working with the human body was her true passion, what it took for Jody to own her identity and overcome a sense of embarrassment about calling herself a physical therapist, despite her passion the lessons she learned when building her first business, The Running Hub, and how the pandemic has impacted her life and business and how she's adapting and protecting her mental and physical health. And as always, much more. So without further ado, please enjoy this insightful conversation with Jody Medell. Hey, my friend, and welcome back to another episode on the Master's Journey podcast. And I'm super delighted to be bringing you my good friend Jody Medell today. So, Jody, thanks so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you, Lucas. It's great to be here. Awesome. I just want to start right out with, you know, as people know about me and about this podcast, with something unique that I found about you and from what I've got to learn about you in our first conversations. And one just term that you used that really stuck with me was where you got started. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on Jody speed. Where <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if that was something that just came out in that moment or if it's actually like a mental state that you use. But I just wanted to bring that up because I found that so inspiring, interesting, and just ask you about that. And if that's something that you work on, if that's something that you're thinking about a lot. 
you know, I didn't really think about it in terms of coming up for it for myself, but I was commenting that things in Crested Butte, because I moved to Crested Butte from Santa Fe in November, and when I'm determined and I know that when I get my knowing and I'm on task and it's time for me to do my work and I'm setting it up, I'm, I like have Jody speed and I like to be fast. And once I'm on task, that's how it is. And so I get to Crested Butte and I'm on task and my build out three months late, my everybody's in slow motion. And so they said, Jody, you got to get on like universe pay, pace because you're, you're on Jody time and Jody time isn't on, isn't universe time. So that was the first time it really hit me. And I thought it was kind of funny because the reality is, as I'm very clear. And when I'm focused, I'm like, do, do, do. But the universe is here to say, Jody, you know, it's not just about you, girl. You got to think big picture. So slow down. <laughs> so oh, wow. that's where it came from. Got it. I can definitely imagine that as people are now listening, you know, I'm the high performance coach being the practical person. Like, how do you do that? How do you get into that state where most people probably go like, yeah, I would love to shift into a state of insert my name speed. Is there like a trigger that you have for yourself or is there any levers that you pull to get from normal state to Jody speed? Is there something tactical that you could share with us? No, it's just who I am. It really is. In fact, my mom commented, um, we were together uh, a week ago or a couple weeks ago, I guess now. And, um, and she was just saying, you know, I don't know where you get your motivation because I get up at 3am so that I can run for my hour to hour and a half. And then I can wow. then go skin up the mountain or work out or do whatever. And that's just me. And I just require it. And my, my parents are not like that at all. So I don't know where that came from. And it's just, I feel like there's so much to accomplish in a day. And I get so excited about all the things that could be done in a day and I don't want to miss it. And so I just get, it's, I don't even think about it. It's just, again, it's just who I am and it's just how I do things. And you make a really great point in that Jody speed is very different than most other people's speed. And so I really have to reel myself in. And especially when I'm on the side of teaching or if I have a patient, I'm introducing exercises or just an awareness or whatever that is, I really have to reel myself in and put myself in their shoes and say, wait, they don't necessarily want to jump off that bed and get going. What steps do we have to take into consideration to motivate them so that they do want to take that next step, get off the bed and do their thing? So, um, so resetting just the parameters and the baseline of where everybody is, I have to really think about that because for me, I'm, I'm like ready to go. <laughs> so yes, that's a great point that you bring up that not everybody is like that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And the, the coach, I mean, just goes, you know, the challenge that I'm seeing and what you're sharing with us is also something that we see a lot when we do our high performance work, where it's just not necessarily just about things that we do, maybe outside of ourselves, but consciously defining that identity, because, you know, you shared, this is about who I am. It's not just something that I just do. So maybe the challenge here is just for everybody listening to maybe figure out what, what does your own speed mode basically look like? What are, who do they want to be in that sense? That's basically the challenge that I'm taking from what you've been sharing. Yeah, I think 
that's such a I didn't I haven't really thought about that obviously I'm not even putting my words together because I have not even thought about it but I think for all of us it is about understanding um at least in the coaching I've I've studied wellness coaching and I'm uh certified in that and a lot of that has to do with understanding who you're working with and what is their playground what where do they come from and what is what is their speed how is it that they like to learn? Um, it's not just about taking what I do and what works for me and assuming that the next person can do it the same way because they can't, which is what is so special, makes us all unique. But finding that connection and finding out what it is that we can, how can we relate using the tools that the person that we're relating with or relating to using the tool set that they have and honoring that and then addressing it from that level. And I think that's where the nuance is and that's where it becomes really special and really important when we're trying to educate, teach, bring somebody along the path uh, to whatever it is that they wanna accomplish. It's so interesting that you're bringing that up because one of the questions that I noted down for myself or actually a little bit later, but I think this fits in well right here is what I wanted to ask is basically in your practice with patients, people have heard in the intro that you are in a physiotherapist, you're an osteopath, you're just an expert when it comes to the human body. And the question that I noted down for myself was something along the lines of we started sharing about is what helps you in persuading people to do the things that will help them? No, we were all probably faced with situations. And I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Peterson's work, which is somebody who I studied a lot, where he has that one rule, treat yourself like somebody you're responsible for helping. And he has that example where people will do anything for their pets, but they won't do like take their own medicine. They won't take care of their selves and their bodies. So that is where this question came up of what have you seen work in helping people like persuade, persuading them to do the things that will be good for them or to create just great relationships with them? So first, I just want to um, clarify, I'm not really an osteopath in terms of being credentialed as an osteopath. I've mm -hmm. studied osteopathy and I use totally oh, use those skills and abilities, but I just want to be clear so that I'm not overstating um, my credentials. Um, so anyway, but yes, I do love osteopathy and I do use it. So most people, when they come to me, they have failed at other, um, well, because I practice as a physical therapist, most people come to me for physical therapy. It's just the way that I throw it all together. I also pull in the osteopathic approach and the functional movement approach into my um, work as a physical therapist. And so when people come to me, it's because they failed traditional physical therapy. They've been through the mill, they're still in pain, they still haven't achieved their goals. And so they're really, they, they're really ready to make change. And so when they see me and they can feel that they are out of pain, that we're making a change, they wanna hang on to that. And so they almost come with a little bit more motivation. It's not like I'm dragging them and saying, you've gotta do this. So when they feel that their body has shifted because we've done some work and we've opened up the channels so that they can move freely through whatever, through a joint, through, through their entire body, whatever it is, they want to, they want to know how to keep it. And so I give them tools and they typically follow them. If I do have patients, um, and maybe, um, 
I wouldn't say short-sighted, but I do have the, the, the occasional patient that doesn't want to do their home program. They, they are not in their body. They will never be in their body in terms of that energetic connection. When I, when I work with them, I can tell they're just not there. They just want to lie on the table, have somebody do something to them. And my whole approach is inside out. If you're not present in your body, and that's part of the tool set that I teach as I'm, um, as part of their home program is get back into your body. you got to feel these things because if you're not feeling it, the exercises are going to be meaningless. And so is the work because you can't hold on to work if you're not present, take it on. Right. And so I have fired patients in the past who just don't, they're not there. They're not ready to meet me where I'm at because it really is a team effort. Mm -hmm. And if we're not a team doing this together, we're not going to get very far and I'm going to be yet another failed physical therapy session. And so it's up to me to recognize that it's up to me to be honest with that. And it's up to me to, again, meet my patient where they're at and acknowledge if they're in their body, if they're not in their body, if they want to do these things. And we have that conversation and it can be a hard conversation, but we have to know that we're both playing on the same field and that our intentions and our goals are the same. Yeah, thank you. I love what you shared because I can see it being applicable to so many just also other situations, you know, in the family, between parents and children, between coworkers, where it's just about motivating each other to do the right thing. So I feel like there are a lot of great takeaways in what you've shared just for basically all situations of life where that could happen. Oh, yeah. I think it's really important, especially being the mom of an 11 year old. We we really work hard to meet each other where we're at. I don't know if working hard is the right term to use, but, but it's really important for both of us. And I've raised him with that mindset of being honest, be honest with everything that you do. Embrace and honor and wrap your arms around whatever your truth is. Because if you're lying or you're not, if we're not playing on, on the same field together, then we're not gonna be able to accomplish what our intentions are. So we've got to know where each other is at with as much honesty, integrity, vulnerability um, to make that happen. And that's the same with the patient. That when they're lying on my table, they're super vulnerable. And it's up to me as a practitioner to really honor that. And I just got goosebumps thinking about it. But if somebody's allowing themselves to be vulnerable in your space, that is such an honor. And so you've got to do I feel like I have to do whatever it is to make sure that the outcome is what we both want it to be. Wow. If you don't mind, now I want to just make that jump into your personal story, into the master's journey, and then oh, sure. just show people your milestones. And one of the biggest questions that I know people are wrestling with when it comes to the master's journey, just starting on their own path is obviously that question of how do I find my thing? How do I know that this is my thing? Could you give us a few insights into what made you realize that physical therapy and just working with the body was your thing? So it's kind of funny because I, so when I was growing up, my dad was a long distance truck driver. And I remember in the eighties, maybe it was the seventies. Oh, it was the seventies. He had already had back surgery. He was my dad's five, three and 230. So he's oh, wow. not very tall and he's a big guy. And I remember him 
not being able to do anything. He wasn't home that much, but when he was home, he couldn't do much because of his back pain. And I remember going with him, um, he had surgery. And then I remember going with him to the, um, to physical therapy. And, and then I got worked on um, because I was a piano player and had tension or whatever. And it didn't, I knew I was interested in it, but it didn't seem to be helpful, which I thought was interesting. But yet I wanted to somehow have someone like my dad not be in the kind of pain that he was in. And so I think that was the first seed that got planted in terms of wanting to be helpful. Um, the second piece of this is I grew up a dancer. Starting at age four, I was, I was um, in ballet, tap, jazz, all that. And I love the human body. I mean, my favorite pictures are black and white photos of dancers because it just shows body in motion, how we can, just our physique and what we can do, right? How we can just master movement. And so I've always had a fascination with human movement being a dancer. So I think the combination of, of um, just loving human movement and then seeing my dad in so much pain and not being able to play. I mean, he just, he was just stuck excuse me, stuff. Um, I wanted to, and, and I don't think I knew it at the time, but those are the seeds that got planted so that later on in my life, when I had the opportunity to go to physical therapy school, that's what I wanted to do. Um, but the funny side of this is once I got to PT school, I thought, I don't really like this so much. It just seems like a, a technician's degree. It seems like it's all cookbook and and you memorize, you know, this is the pain, this is what we do. And it seems so very boring. But then I got into manual therapy, the program that I went to Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan, they used um, uh, Colton Bourne was the approach that they used to manual therapy. And it was just, it was, it was art and science put together. So the art of being able to palpate, to put your hands on something and feel it and then using the science, like, what do we want to do with this and being able to create some outcomes. So that's when physical therapy got really exciting for me. And then one other piece, um, I had migraines starting at the age of 14. And at one point, and this is actually pre-PT school, um, I was working at a PT clinic doing my volunteer hours and whatnot. And um, I would, I had a week of a cluster of migraines. And I went to the headache clinic in Ann Arbor. I went to a chiropractor. I went to my MD and I was just, I mean, I went everywhere. And it was a DO, a doctor of osteopathy who put his hands on me, did cranial sacral work and stopped my migraine, just stopped it. And so that just fascinated me. So, so I'd say physical therapy in and of itself wasn't enough. And I was always in search of that, that extra piece, which is what the osteopathy brings to me. So even for me, even though I think those seeds were planted early on, the love of movement, seeing my dad in pain, and then having my own migraines and seeing it stopped um, with this incredible work, until I really got to go to osteopathic school and experience that, that's when it sealed it for me because I could take all my skill set from PT with a different philosophical front and put it all together. Yeah. That one thing that really fascinated me that you shared in our very first conversation was uh, when you talked about that experience that you had with PT and everything, where you said, 
I was actually embarrassed to call myself a PT at some point. And I also know that that's a big struggle again for people just on their path of being like, you know, this is kind of who I'm calling, what I'm calling myself or who I think I am, but I'm not owning it. I know you've shared already a little bit, but do you have a couple of thoughts on that, you know, owning your role, owning who you are? Because I know that is also something that you've been through in your life, this challenge. So in terms of my career path and being a physical therapist, um, yeah, you're right. I was always embarrassed to be a PT because I still had that mindset of um, it's a technical degree. I'm not really that smart because I'm just following, I'm following the protocol. I think it's really important to keep doing that soul search. That's, that's what I did. I knew that I had a gift. I knew that I loved getting my hands on people. I knew that I loved to see people get better. And so I just had to step out of this mindset of what I thought a PT was and look inward and say, okay, what is it that Jody does? What is it that's special about me? What do I bring to the table of physical therapy? Because if my mindset is that physical therapy is X, Y, Z, and I don't quite fit X, Y, Z, but I like doing some of those things. What is it about me that makes physical therapy special? And so I think it's really important to go back in, do that soul searching and find out like, what's fun about this? When am I playing? When am I like not think, looking at the clock and thinking about that? And so when you can find out what it is that you do that supports the role that you're in or you call yourself to make it special, then you own it. And so for me, it was, I really do need to go to osteopathic school because that's really truly in my heart what I want to be. I have all the credentialing. I don't want to have, I don't need to be an osteopath, but I still want to know how to pull that into what it is that I do do so that I own it and I love it and that I'm playing again. I'm not just following some protocol. Gold. Wow. Thanks so much for sharing those insights, Jody. Just that, that principle of basically pulling yourself out of your role, seeing the uniqueness that you bring to the role, but maybe also to other things. So basically seeing yourself on a higher level is kind of what I got from that, which sounds so powerful. The next yeah, I've been, I've been um, playing with this a little bit because I think we, we have stories about ourselves, and I think that they can be limiting. So I was sharing this actually with, with Charlie um, that if what we, if what we view of ourselves is this bubble and that's it, and we're playing inside that bubble because we perceive that these are the rules and the regs, and this is how we define ourselves. What if we were to break out of that bubble? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the idea about me going, to, going off to osteopathic school is I had to redefine or burst out of this bubble of what I thought a PT was. And once I broke through that and there were no rules or regs about it, I'm just Jody playing. How can I have fun? These are the extra tools I need to pull in mm -hmm. so that I can continue to play and have fun and be more of me. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really the crux of it. Mm -hmm. So just to fill people in, Charlie, you mentioned him, Charlie Caldwell II. So uh, your cousin, actually, correct? 
Yes. And yeah, as people know, I mention him pretty much every single episode. My amazing friend, mentor, business partner here. So has been on so many episodes. But just if this is your first time watching this, listening to us, just to let people know that this is Charlie Caldwell, the second that we've been talking about. And then the next step that I wanted to take with you, which was like such a huge point that I saw in your story, and this is just also superpower that I want to acknowledge about you that I saw in everything that you've been sharing with me is that you have this power of throwing yourself into something new, a new place, new challenge, and to just persevere and to push through despite hardships and challenge th challenges that come up where people just feel alone, maybe abandoned even, but you still had that power to push through. And we're going to get into examples of that in a second. But I just wanted to give you that as feedback from what I've seen from you. And I just wanted to ask you, do you have any thoughts on that? Any feedback? Well, thanks for acknowledging that and, and uh, bringing that to the surface. Um, I've shared this with my son, Evan, that for me, life is an adventure. And when COVID hit, the one thing that I was really... Um, oh, what I shared with him that I thought was really important is that adventures aren't always fun. Adventures really are about finding out where our limits are, going to that limit, and then seeing beyond. And when we do that, it's, it isn't always fun. But if you don't do that, you don't get to the 14er. You don't get to look out at the, the all that is, right? Mm -hmm. And so... And in that process, we also learn a lot about ourselves. And I think I vowed coming into planet Earth that I was going to make sure that I didn't leave a stone unturned, that I knew the limits of my physical being here, um, coupled with all the other um, pieces of me. But I, but I can't say it's been an easy road. But as I look back, I wouldn't change it because the more that I put myself out there, the more adventures I have, the more hardships I have, the more I relate to everybody, the more I, I'm allowed. So I, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. Growing up, I grew up in a box and I grew up in a box of judgment. It was very much about right, wrong, um, us, them. And, and even though we were nice people and we did nice things, there was still this really hardcore set of values that included judgment. And I think the more I, so fast forward now. So the more I go on adventures and I throw myself out there and I take on these new um, endeavors, it allows me because I hit rock bottom. I mean, I really, I, I hit rock bottom. I get up, I get slammed down again. I get up, I get slammed down yet again. But that just shows me that I'm like everyone else. And that we're all here together just doing our thing. And I think the universe comes in and gives us some punches to say, are you sure you really want to do this? Do you really know what you have inside of you? And if you can make it through this, you're tough. And yet we're going to throw some more at you just to make sure you know that you are strong and that you are all that is. And so, um, so no, it's not easy, but it's just how, again, I like I choose to get up at 3 a.m. to do my run. I choose to live life this way because I want to make sure that I've done everything I possibly can during my journey here on planet earth. And 
I want to be a great mentor for my son. And I hope too, that he's able to see that. And, and he's seen, he, he has seen the, the tops and the, uh, the lows and whatever's, um, but he knows what it's about. And as long as I think we're real about it and we don't lie about being on top of the world at some points and being at the bottom at some points, I think as long as we're honest to ourselves and others about where we're at, then I think we can be helpful no matter where we are in this path. Cause it's not just about the highs. Of course we want them, but it takes a lot to get there. That's just a super important point. I mean, a lot of super important points, but especially the last one, I feel, especially with the times we're going through, still that COVID thing going on in, in March of 2021 as we're recording this. And to just have that honesty in relationships to also have the courage to be open and say, you know, this is what's showing up for me. I'm not doing like the way I want to be doing myself. I'm not at that level maybe of joy of engagement right now or of success. And I just love that encouragement you're giving us and the challenge you're giving people to, to really be honest in those relationships. Just want oh, to point thanks. that out and say thank you. <laughs> and that brings me to one of the first examples for, or that led me to that conclusion for me about your superpower, where you told me, you know, at one point after the PT school, you just made that decision to go from Michigan to Santa Fe, New Mexico, just on your own, just have that challenge and just move. And this is something where I'm sure, I mean, from my past, it's like, oh, wow. And I'm sure when people are listening to this, it's, oh my gosh, that's a huge step. And this is where, you know, I did a lot of also study in, for the master's journey in terms of, you know, there are works like Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, where basically every one of these huge mythological stories, those just patterns that repeat themselves. It always starts with this call to action to leave basically our homeland. And I just wanted to ask about that call to adventure for you. What, what called you to make that big step? I think it's my soul's journey, honestly. Um, I, I knew I wanted more out of life than what I had. And it's, it's not that it was bad. I had a great gig at the University of Michigan. I had a full ride scholarship for my PhD, but I wasn't happy. The bottom line is, and maybe just as I think about it right now, I've been on this journey to find happiness in my heart. Like, what is it? Where is that happiness? Where does that reside? What is that about? And so as soon as I am, I feel stuck, or I feel like even if my surroundings are beautiful, but deep inside, I'm not passionate anymore. I have to move. I have to go. I have to seek it out. So for me, it was about getting out of the little box I grew up in. I grew up in Detroit, lived in Michigan my whole life, had a couple adventures, um, just doing clinical rotations or whatnot. And I did a little stint at Northwestern University in Evanston. Um, but it was just so short term compared to my life up to that point that I still didn't feel like my life was really lived any differently than how I grew up. And so when I was in the midst of this PhD program, where again, I had my first house, my PhD was paid for, I got to open up a PT clinic at the University of Michigan hospitals. I was teaching. I mean, I had a, I had a big, beautiful life and I was only in my twenties. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't happy. Oh, and I was also racing competitively, 
had name recognition, great friends, and I still wasn't happy. And so I just, that was when it was like, okay, Joe, you got to go find your, where are you happy? What makes you happy? And what makes me happy is seeking out what makes me happy, <laughs> which is an adventure. So really, again, trying to find out more and more of who I am, what am I, what am I about and why am I here? And that's what brought me to Santa Fe because I wanted to move to a place that one, I'd never been to, very different than how I grew up. And it didn't have an academic scene because I didn't want to be an academician anymore. I just wanted to, I just wanted to be a physical therapist, show up, do my work and just figure it out. Like, what is it? What is it that I'm here for? And so it was real easy because it was just me. And so I sold my house, sold my, or it didn't quite sell, but I sold all my furniture and I, I lived very Zen-like, so I didn't have much, but I had a little Ford Escort and all that I took with me was what fit in my Ford Escort. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I got a speeding ticket heading out of Michigan. <laughs> so that was my only ticket. <laughs> that sounds like dedication. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, it's just, I think it's really just following what, what fills me in my heart and my passion. Yeah. And this is where also the running hub started, right? Your business? Yeah. So my first business, the running hub, I never thought of myself as being an, uh, an entrepreneur. Um, but when I got to Santa Fe, again, my history was that I was at the University of Michigan. I had name recognition. Um, I was well-respected. And at Michigan, it's a teaching hospital. So as a clinician, very well-regarded. And we really, as clinicians and researchers, it was, we love to take on the problem children. We love to problem solve. We loved when things were complex and difficult and we could figure them out. And we honored that in each other and in the community, um, a community of, of helping to serve others in a hospital setting. Anyway, so going to Santa Fe, um, I hired on at a PT clinic. Like I said, I just wanted to be a PT. And the owner said, um, well, you guys are a dime a dozen. And he expected me to see 20 plus patients a day, charge for seeing them for an hour and 15 minutes when I literally saw them for 10 minutes. And again, little girl, Detroit, moving to Santa Fe, most names were Hispanic. I knew no Spanish. And so it took me those 10 minutes just to be able to get their name correct and make some sort of introduction there was no healing going on. And so I would go home crying because as I remembered, you know, my gig from Michigan, how great it was. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I left this amazing scene because I wasn't happy, but look at where I'm at now. I'm seeing 20 plus patients. I'm barely touching them. I don't feel ethically good about charging them, but this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I, um, so anyway, Based on that, I wasn't, I still wasn't happy, but I couldn't go back because I was on my adventure. I woke up one morning and it was on my list of things to do, open up running store. And I didn't quite know what that meant. I just, and, and this is not literally, it was just like this knowing came in. Okay, Jody, you're going to open up a running store. So I called my friend, Dave Peterson, who lives back in Michigan. He was a manager of running fit who I raced with. And I said, Hey, you and your wife need to come here and open up a running store. He's like, oh no, Jode, we're set. We're just, no, it, that's your job. 
And so that's what I did. And I did it just with this knowing one morning that that was where my next step was. So it seems like this is interesting. I'm going to hopefully um, it's all within context, but I realize now being in Crested Butte, what I do is I take my skill set and and that's how what allows me because I have a skill set of something that's what allows me to be in a new place because I'm just going to take my skill set and I can move it from here to there. But when I moved to Santa Fe, that wasn't the skill set that I ended up pulling in initially. It was my experience as a runner and just waking up and being open to, okay, open up running store. Um, and so I'm kind of dealing with that same thing. I took my skill set of being able to open up and eventually I opened up a PT clinic in Santa Fe, but that skill set of being able to open up a PT clinic and being confident about that, I just, now I'm in Crested Butte. Well, that's what I'm moving to Crested Butte is my, my ability to open up a PT clinic. Mm -hmm. Well, this is just like on a constant evolution basis right now, because what I have as integration therapy isn't going to stop there. It's, it's, it's evolving. So, um, so anyway, just as I'm talking about this, this just hit me how this all comes together, but yeah. yeah so the running hub and back then I didn't have anything, so I had nothing to lose. So this was my, my chance to do something totally different. And I will say, I, so I was so much prouder of myself owning the running hub and being an entrepreneur than I was being a physical therapist at the time, because that was pre me being able to go to osteopathic school. Mm -hmm. So I still hadn't discovered how I use the skill set of PT and own it. But I did own it through the running hub because I was able to teach people. I was able to, and what made me successful right off the bat was that I gave, um, get the words right, Joe, prescription pads to the physicians, and they were referring patients to me to get fit in the right shoe for their foot type. Mm -hmm. And so that was immediately successful, not because I was appealing to all the runners in town. That was, I was growing that, but I was appealing to all the people who were in pain. And so as they came in, I could put them in the right shoe for their foot type. They weren't even runners. They were walkers, if they were even walkers and I could educate them. Mm -hmm. And so it was, I was able to find out more about what I was about in that process of being able to build the running hub. So yeah. I'm really hearing this one theme that I'm hearing from what you've been sharing is something that, again, going to my uh, thing in coaching, where it's always about what what are your strengths in this area, basically, and how can you apply it to an area that you're trying to improve right now, where it's always looking what you have on this one hand, you know, with PT, and how can you now bring it to the, the rotting hub to actually create something greater, something unique. This is something that I'm just taking away from what you've been sharing, where it's how can you use those, probably going back to your identity questions of how can I use those different strings that make me unique and translate that into the business to make it unique. Lucas, I like how you're pulling that together because I don't ever go into something thinking that way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, that's the outcome. And as I reflect, yes, I see that. So I'm glad you're able to hear the story and, and pull those pieces together and say, wait, Here's the theme. We're weaving this. And this is a tapestry we're creating. So thank you for doing that because that's helpful for me. Thanks. Well, that's probably the engineer paired with the high performance coach for me there, <laughs> right there. And I want to thank you for that feedback because 
just one of the lessons that comes to mind with that as you were saying this is often that we ourselves are also i found sometimes terrible at figuring out what is it that we're actually good at because some of the stuff is just natural to us and the other person goes like oh my gosh or it's just we we have that struggle to perceive ourselves well and this is just the point and i think it was peter drucker who talked about this a lot where it's just use feedback analysis in terms of what do other people see about you and that's helping me again of you giving that feedback for me to figure out the next things or the next steps so i i love that these podcast episodes also bring always bring new insights new ideas for all the people participating <laughs> thank you with the running hub i wanted because I'm always just super interested and fascinated by the stories of how people make their businesses work. And I feel like that's also one of the biggest questions that people listening to the podcast have. Could you let us into maybe some of the challenges or lessons learned or stuff that you had to learn basically through hard knocks as you were building that business? So the, the biggest lesson I learned is that the most successful businesses are businesses where whatever hat you're wearing, you get to give away. And I was probably too young and too inexperienced to know that. So the running hub became Jody Medell. Mm -hmm. You go to the running hub, you see Jody. So for me to hire employees, because Jody only has so much time in a day, right? So for me to hire employees and have them fit people in the right shoe for their foot type, there are many times that they would say, no, 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 we'll only work with Jody. She's the physical therapist. My doctor told me to see her. <laughs> and so... In building a business, I think it's really important that you, well, again, I'm going to go on a little tangent. I think my ego is highly involved, right? Because if people are coming in, I'm in this new town, I'm building this business and they want Jody. That's, that's pretty cool. But I think it's really important to put your ego aside there and just look at it for the, the reality of it is that people can be trained to just to, to do what you're doing. You happen to have that skill set, so you can bring it in. But it's up to you to be a good business owner, to educate those in your, in your store to be able to do the same thing and to educate the community, those who are coming to see you, that they're going to get just as great service working with anybody in the store because they've been trained. Mm -hmm. And yes, they can always default and come back to me if that didn't work. But I had trouble, I think, when I owned the store, again, wearing a hat, getting to know what that hat was and then being able to teach it to somebody else and give it away. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, it was very overwhelming because I was just working harder and harder. I didn't seem to get the right people in place to be able to carry, to wear the hats that I was wearing. And it probably was a big part of me that I wasn't really willing to let go of those hats, right? And so therefore I couldn't bring in somebody to take that on. And so it was easier for me at the end when I really missed um, doing physical therapy. I was doing a lot of education. I was hosting running 101, class, running 101 classes, 201 classes. I was able to educate and that was all wonderful, but I couldn't put my hands on people. And when I saw people coming in with specific injuries, I wasn't allowed to treat them. And I couldn't, again, give my, the hats I was wearing away so that I could free myself up to do both. So I couldn't, um, at that time, make the running hub not only a, uh, a running specialty store, 
but also have a service component where I could be a physical therapist at the same time. And so I felt like it was one or the other. I wasn't in a more of expansive state where I could see it as it could be everything. And so it was easier for me just to sell it and move on. And so that's what I did. And I'm glad I'm out of retail just because the way life is today, it's much easier, especially with COVID now, you know, these, the running hub, it's still in business. I sold it. Um, and the gentleman who bought it is doing great with it. But when, when everything had to shut down, that was a very stressful time for him. So to be in the retail market right now, I think is really challenging. Um, and there's so much one can do online in terms of purchasing things and getting it sent to you and people feel safer that way. So it all turns out for the best, mm -hmm. but I would say if I were to do it all over again, I would really try to take on um, making it more expansive versus viewing it as only this thing. So the interesting piece, I don't know if familiar or with coaching, but basically one of our questions that we play with what like a bone is always when people give us one answer, it's like, what else? Because we want to challenge those other ideas. I don't want to turn this into that. But the, the question that just I wanted to ask, are there other lessons? Because you just mentioned, you know, if I were to do it all again, are there other lessons apart from that that just came to mind that you want to share with us in terms of building that business? Um, I think the biggest lesson for me is to not feel like something has to end before something else can start. That if I, because after I sold the running hub, I really missed it. The running hub was my footprint, literally in Santa Fe. So it gave me the ability to do what I love to do, to share it with others. And if you look at Santa Fe now, there is a huge running community there. You see people running all over the place. You did not see that 20 years ago when I moved there. So I feel like I was very instrumental in, in setting, placing that footprint down and giving people a place, a hub to go to so that they could get all their running needs met and they could be out there and, and enjoy their adventures in Santa Fe. Um, And so when I sold it, that was a big piece of me that I didn't even realize I was so attached to. And when I sold it, I, I to this day have a difficult time going into the running hub because the new owner had to change it to make it his baby. Mm -hmm. So my running hub baby is no longer mine, it's somebody else's. And it's not at all, it does not look, feel anything like what I did, um, but he's successful doing it the way he's doing it. So I just, I wish that I had the wherewithal to know that I didn't have to stop that if I would have been able to listen to others with experience and I would have been able to see it for, okay, what's good about this? What isn't working for you? What is working for you? How can you pull in what it is that you, you want? And I think a big part of that is fear. Like I'm, I fear the unknown. I mean, even though I can go on an adventure The running hub, again, I put in a box as to what it was. It wasn't this plus this, it was just this. And so I think that if I could have seen it for, it could be this and it could be that, and it could even be all of this. And I was up for that and I was open to that. Then it could have been an even bigger dream. 
powerful. I'm I'm seeing just my two cents on that. I'm seeing similar thoughts just right now in my mind as I'm going through my work where often when it's time to make a change or you realize, you know, there's something isn't working and something needs to change. There's always this moment where you feel like, oh my gosh, no, we're attached to that. We can't change that. Or if we have to change that, we have to throw it all away. And that big lesson that I learned is like the, the person probably most concerned with those changes is the person we see in the mirror. <laughs> but the other people usually also, we feel like, oh my gosh, what are other people going to think? Will we confuse them? But so often it's just like people are even happy to see something new or they, they're just like, they have their own agendas. They don't really care as long as they're being helped. And so I was really seeing that in my own life, what you've been sharing just right now in terms of making changes, being okay with that, not worrying too much about, oh my gosh, can I change that already? And I feel like there's some flexibility that we all need to train ourselves to have in just being like, yeah, okay, I'm going to change this. I'm going to give this a shot. I don't have to like have hard ends or hard starts all the time. So yeah, yeah just... I think, you know, we have these stories that we tell ourselves and we have a belief system and that belief system is really great for us because it gives us that safety zone to play in. But after a while, it doesn't work for us. And if we believe that this is all there is, mm -hmm. then we're limiting ourselves. So if we can take that belief, if we can recognize that that is our belief system and we can break it apart, explode it, then we can break out of that box and we can see the expansiveness and then we can create something bigger and better because we see the unity in all of it. We don't see the limiting piece of pieces of it. And so I'd say as I'm as I'm moving on and then getting older and wiser, hopefully, with more experiences, it really is about recognizing what belief systems are holding me in um, a static place. What belief systems can I get rid of because they no longer serve me? So I can bust through them so I can see it differently. Because the bottom line is if you believe in what you're doing, others are going to follow you. If you're doing stuff based on what you believe others think you can do, then you're in this belief system that's going to be very self-limiting. So it's really, really important, again, to bust through that and be who you are and honor what your talents are and go inside and figure it out. Like what, what would make this even more exciting? What would put a smile on your face so that you can do this thing? And I didn't do that with the running hub. I just, it was like, okay, time to move on, sell it. And I sold it in a week. So then I, wow. so to me, it was like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to move on. And, you know, yeah, I guess I was, but I could see how it could be different too. Jody's speed right there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> One of the, next big shift that you shared with me that I wanted to highlight during our episode was that another reason why you sold that running hub too was because you on the personal side just things started to change for you and we've already heard that you're just talking a lot and mentioning your son Evan is, is his name right yeah you're mentioning him a lot you you've got that that chuckle in your voice let's say or that that depth in your voice when you talk about him when you just mention him and people can feel I think from what you've been sharing just how much he means to you and 
I'm gonna let you tell the story, of course, but just to to get us started on that next milestone, basically on your journey. So um, when I owned the Running Hub, I was in my 30s, and at 35, my life was just so different. I really didn't know what to expect. It wasn't like I thought I was gonna be some sort of business entrepreneur or anything. I thought early on I'd probably get married, have kids, have a family, all that. So here I am in my 30s, and I'm still single, and I really, it hit me that I wanted a child. And I thought it was just, oh, you know, time, yeah, whatever. So I realized though that I was married to the running hub. That was my, that was everything that I did. And I felt like the only way I could really be available to find a partner and to have a family was to sell the store. So that was, that decision-making was a big part of what um, forced, not forced me, but what pushed me towards selling the store. So I, again, on the market for a week, sold, whatever, I'm out of there. I go on my adventures. Um, and I ended up leaving Santa Fe for a while. I went to New Zealand, hung out there. Then I traveled along the coast of um, Oregon and then up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And a year later, I find myself back in Santa Fe for some crazy reasons. And I was still single. <laughs> I still didn't have any kids and it was still a deep part of me. There was, a, I was missing something. And so that's when I actually finished my program at Regis to get my doctorate, um, doctoral degree. And I thought that's what I was missing and that didn't fill it. And so I was bringing in, I was actually here in Crested Butte, bringing in um, the new years and which is what I did every year for 20 years. Once I moved to Santa Fe, um, I'd come here to Crested Butte to play. And I was with a friend who was a great training partner, great person. And yet we weren't soulmates. There wasn't a deep connection, but it's who, it's who I played with when we, we were both athletes and we trained. And I went home from bringing in my, it would have been my 40th year, 09. Um, I came home and I was just crying because I really, really wanted to be a mom. And so I got pregnant on January 5th in Jody Speed and I had my son October 6th of 09 and did it as a single parent, um, did what I needed to do. Um, I wanted to be natural in how I conceived my child, but uh, yeah. And, and so that was another big thing for me is choosing to be a parent. And uh, it's probably the most difficult things of, of all the things I've done, it's the most difficult thing I've done, but it's the most amazing experience in my life. He's an amazing kid and I'm so happy he's here. So. Yeah, and yeah, I've been hearing uh, just from many also public discussions, this, this struggle basically where people feel like there's, there's the career, then there comes the, the family aspect, that motivation to, to have children and to kind of balance that. Are there any additional thoughts that you would offer to people who are really trying to, to balance it all and trying to figure out what, what their truth is in that challenge? You know, I say this to a lot of people. Um, I think it's really important that we have love in our life. And whether that love comes in the form of a child, in the form of animals, in the form of a partner, I just think it's so so important that we get to feel our heart burst open 
and we feel that connection to another and, um, and that unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And that's what I get to experience with my son. I'm, I'm pretty tough. I'm pretty tenacious. Um, you, if you put me up to a task, I will do my best to finish it. But I've been on my knees crying with an adult sized tantrum fit being a single parent. So I would say, I thought it was going to be like I could do it. But I really had to reach out and ask the community to help me and ask my family to help me. It's not something to take on alone. So it's so in Jody speed, when I get on task and I'm going to do something, I just dive into it and do it. Whatever happens after that happens. And then I have to pull in, you know, pull the pieces together and bring in the support. So I'd say anybody who's thinking about this, if they want to be a single parent because they're not in partnership, but they don't want to be limited in life, go for it. Make, make sure, complete sure that you have the support that you need, that you have the mindset, the mental capacity, the mental tenacity to be able to handle that, the emotional tenacity to handle it. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help because it isn't an easy road at all. Again, very rich, huge depth to it, filled with love, but it's not easy. And so, but I think what's most important in all of this for me, it's my connection to my son. I get to share that bond and we have that love. But I think for each and every one of us, um, it doesn't have to look like a child. It can look like a pet. It can look like a partner. It can, whatever it is, um, your your commitment to the community. But as long as you you can experience that just unbridled love of connecting with another, I think that really makes our time here so worthwhile. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you mentioned one really really important point, especially right now. I feel like of this mental toughness and the mental health and this is probably something not only with parenting but just something in general that many people are struggling with right now if i'm completely honest and transparent it's something that's over the last few weeks has been heading me too with all the isolation that's been happening especially here in germany and yeah basically the the whole chaos of the world are there any tools practices anything steps habits that you could share with us that help helped you in those darker moments in those challenging moments to keep your resilience up and to keep your mental health going so um yeah there are plenty of plenty of things the, the biggest tool that i use is meditation meditation just allows me and it's a it's a constantly evolving practice Okay, so me meditating back then and me meditating now is, is very different because there's this evolution. Um, so back, back when my son was young and I'd have these adult-sized tantrum fits that just, I felt like I couldn't do another day, it was really important that I was able to step back and take it moment by moment. So in all of this, and it seems like it's overstated, It's very simple, but it's very difficult to do. And that's being conscious and being in the moment. So this whole mental toughness isn't, I mean, there are times I guess that we mind over matter things just to get through. But if we mind over matter, sometimes we, we miss what we're in the midst of. 
if we can be present in that moment, not judge it, be present for it, and just allow it to move through us, not own it, not judge it, not put it somewhere, but let, let whatever's happening in this moment move through us, then we can be present for that next moment and then that next moment. And guess what? That time that was so awful and horrible is now part of the past and the past is no longer here. We're now in this moment again. And so meditation just allows that training to be in that moment. Meditation isn't really, at least this is my understanding. I used to think meditation was the separate time. We go off for our 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever we want to dedicate to it so that we can be looking at our thoughts and seeing what comes in and, and giving them away or whatever it is that we do in our meditative experience. I think meditation is really more about putting us in that space of being present, present again, present again, and hopefully meditation doesn't end. That it's, train, it's, it's our training ground to be in the moment, but that the next thing we know in life, we're present, we're conscious, and we're in that moment. So our life becomes one big meditation so that we can be present for all that is. And then we're always in that next moment. So those things that are really tough and hard to handle, yeah, if we package it all up and look at the past and make associations and judge it, it is really hard. But if we're allowing it to pass through us and we're moving on, then we're on to the next thing. And so that's, that's what I use as my tool right now. And a big piece of that is trust. And, um, and there are you know, a ton of other tools that I, that I use right now. Um, one of them is if we look at there's fear and there's love, if we wanna play with the fear side of things, then we do get stuck in the judgment. We do get stuck in the black and white. We do get stuck in all that isn't right. And if we sit on the love side of things and we look at what could be the possibilities, the openness, um, then that's allowing us to be again in that moment with trust moving forward and letting all that other stuff slide behind us as we keep on our path. Um, another big tool for me right now is something called the living words. And these are words that are all very optimistic and positive and they work to our benefit. So if we use living words like um, oh, a good one is happy. If I'm happy, I can't be sad. In that moment, if I'm, if I'm in a happy state, I'm thinking about being, I'm, I've climbed up the mountain and I'm there looking out at the, at the views and I'm happy, well, that's a whole different setup than I'm sad. And so if I can take words like happy and confidence and committed and powerful, and those are my words that I'm playing with. And that's what I'm throwing into my head all the time, all day, as I stay in the moment and keep moving forward. That's a whole different experience than I'm sad. I'm by myself. I'm lonely. This isn't happening for me. It's just a totally different dynamic. And so that's been so powerful and so helpful for me 
to keep in the moment, uh, coupled with the meditation, the practice of just constantly stopping and saying, Jody, where are you? What are you thinking about? Um, just like I do with core stability and how I teach my patients, I still I have to do the same thing in staying in that positive mode of being present and moving forward. Powerful. Thank you so much. Really hope that people are taking notes just to try some of that, what you shared themselves. And I want to also highlight one more thing that you mentioned that you touched on of that judgment piece, because I can, I can get re really good at letting that judgment stuff come in for me. Um, just also based on all the stuff that I had have been through just over the years on my journey. And it's, something that I realized as you were sharing this is we're pulled out of ourselves basically so often nowadays where we're just constantly seeing other people, other opinions. We're just bombarded with that stuff that has us basically going out of our presence, our situation, what we are in control of and basically set ourselves up negatively against the other person there, even though they might be 30 years ahead or they've spent 20 years doing something else. And that was just the connection that I saw in what had been showing up for me. And I think also for a lot of people from what I'm hearing, where what you shared can also just help so much. So thank you for that. I have a little story. Um, I think it's relevant, but I was running this morning with my dog or my son's dog solo. And we were on one of the main roads that go up to town. It was just this odd morning, but um, we were coming back down the hill and uh, a car was coming up pretty fast around a corner and I was trying to hold on to Solo, but he got away and he ran right in front of the car. She slammed on her brakes, squealed her tires and I screamed. She rolled down her window and she just started swearing at me. And all I could say is, I'm so sorry. I get it. And she started saying, all I care about is the dog. Is your dog okay? And she was just very angry with me. And she didn't know that I was trying to hold him. He got away from me. And sometimes, I mean, it's not often, but for whatever reason, he chose to chase her car and he got in front of it. Thank God she had the wherewithal to slam on her brakes and do whatever. But I just sat there in gratitude that she could stop. And I just kept saying, I'm sorry. And I understood her position. And so she rolled up her window. I got solo and she kept going, got home. And I was sharing this with with um, Evan, he's like, well, she must be a bad person. She swore at you and she did this. And I said, you know what? I don't know her story. She doesn't know my story. All I know is that she was able to stop her car. Solo was in the wrong coming out. I mean, if anyone, if you, if you wanna judge, judge, but it's not about judging. It's really about honoring that it all ended up working out okay. Mm -hmm. But had we started getting angry with each other or whatever, we're just creating this division. And so it was just reeling it in and it, it just honoring the situation for what it was, but not in a place of judgment, in a place of gratitude. So I didn't care if she swore at me, she had every right to do all of that. It was really about just being gracious to her and her ability to be able to stop the car. And I was able to get solo and get back home. And I thought it was really important for my son to say, or my son to, have his reaction. And it was a very teachable moment on my end to say, no, 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 no. It's not about judgment, sweetie. We don't know anything about each other. 
but Solo's safe and he's home. And we need to be in gratitude because that could have not been the end of the story. So anyway, just a, a note, a story from this morning on my run. <laughs> Thank you. I want to make now a little bit of a bigger leap and just jump right into the present now with just the new things that you are up to just right now, the new Jody Speed Adventure, <laughs> maybe if you will. <laughs> where oh i actually used the word adventure already not intentionally <laughs> but people have already heard from you that you are about showing people just their next adventure helping people figure out their next adventure and also seeing life more as an adventure and i just wanted to ask you like what are you up to now what's what do you want to bring with that to the world so i moved to crested butte colorado because um one, it was where we played High Mountains, 10,000, right in Mount Crested Butte. And then it's just an amazing playground for anybody who's an outdoor adventure person. Um, skiing, mountain biking, running, there's lots of water. So you can do water sports, there's um, snowmobiling. I mean, it's just, there's no end to what you can do out here. And my son was not doing well in school in, in New Mexico because when COVID hit, our governor was really strict and really shut down everything and schools went to online only. And the public school system in New Mexico isn't great anyway, it has, it has struggles. And so I enrolled my son in, in an online um, educational program for private schools that had been doing online for years, but he still wasn't thriving. He was um, basically at a computer for eight hours a day. And my business was thriving, especially with COVID because I was, I was allowed to be open because mm -hmm. I was considered necessary. Um, and I had people, I had a wait list of at one point up to two months because people wanted to go to a safe place to get physical therapy. And I'm one-on-one, -on -one, nobody else is in the clinic, the door's locked. It was a very safe environment for people. So here my business is taking off, doing well. I'm working harder, but my son was not doing well at all. And I was really relying on the community, on friends to help watch him, to get him with his online schooling so that I could work more. And in the end, it just, it just wasn't working out in terms of who he was and what I could see, where I could see him going. He was spiraling. So I just said, sweetie, if we can live in Crested Butte where we play, don't we wanna live where we play? Because if COVID is about change and COVID is about or the way I wanted to look at it is I wanted to look at COVID as it's our chance for adventure. And again, adventures aren't always fun, but guess what? We have to change. COVID's forcing us to change, whether we like it or not. So why don't we embrace that change, make a change? If we go to Crested Butte and we feel like doors are opening at least a little bit, then I think we need to look into making that shift. And he was super duper excited because this kid loves being outdoors and skiing and everything that Crested Butte has to offer. So we came to visit and it felt like the doors were opening, opening enough that I was going to make the shift. And I had just put in my head, okay, Jode's going to open up her physical therapy practice at the base of the mountain because that's where I can rent a place and there's no PT clinic there. We're going to make it work because, because that's just what we're going to do. And so that's what I did. And we upped, we started the process. It was Labor Day was when we came to visit and felt like things were falling into place. And I had found a place to um, live or a place to rent. And I had 
uh, found a place that I could build just outside of town and had my clinic going, all this good stuff. And so made it happen and moved here in November. <laughs> Along the way, the house that I thought I had was a $9,000 scam, the rental. Yeah. yeah. Um, last minute, my realtor found a place for us to live, this old 1960s funky A-frame that is like not even glamping. And the house that I thought I was going to build isn't going to be ready till March of 22. So I had to bail on that because there's no way I can rent in this not even glamping A-frame. So I'm, I ended up shifting on that and we're going to move to a condo that we bought in the mountain. But anyway, my clinic was supposed to be open December 1st. It didn't get finished until February. So all these things, you know, Jody, Jody speed, right? As you were talking about, <laughs> no, it was like the universe said, no joke, you're going to slow down, honey. And so we're here and the good news in all this is that my son is thriving. He's, we live downtown. It's a very small community, probably five blocks deep, five blocks wide. We live right by the bus stop if he wants to take the bus, but he walks to school. He walks, he has, he made friends right away. So physically going to school, he can walk to and from school. He's in CrossFit. He's on the ski team. They get off of school early on Wednesday so that they can ski. So he skis all day, Saturday, Sunday. He's skiing half, half day Wednesday. They did ski for PE. So for five weeks, they got Friday half day and they got to go up the mountain and ski again with coach. Um, so this kid is doing well. They published his poetry in the paper. He's been in the paper three times already for his activities. I mean, he's just like living, he's living the dream. I'm sitting in my clinic. I have it built out. It's beautiful. I have 10 patients, 10 visits a week from patients. I had 35 and with a wait list in Santa Fe. And so Jody's theme of just, she's going to do her thing and, you know, take what she knows and she's going to put it into practice. I'm being shown here that that's really not what it's about. So I'm being given a lot of time to really step back to be to figure it out, to listen, to be open. And so I'm, I'm in the process of expanding my clinic to include, well, I already have it on and my vision was to include massage therapy and, um, and personal training. But what I'm getting from being in my space, is so many people want more massage. So I'm gonna kind of recraft myself and offer medical massage. They won't know, you know, they're not going to know that they're getting more than they're going to know they're going to have the experience, but I'm just going to say, we're getting massage and they're going to come out going, oh my gosh, I got some structural alignment. I got this and that, but that's really what's being asked for more than your traditional physical therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm also considering adding a wellness component so that when people are here at the mountain, um, I'm going to bring in either a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant so that we can offer oxygen therapy, glutathione injections, Myers cocktails, so that people can feel really good about themselves, both from inside um, in terms of their bloodstream and what's going on in there so that they can breathe better here at 10,000 feet. Mm -hmm. So they can feel better with the glutathione or the B vitamin B12, the C, the magnesium, the calcium, so that they can go on and do their activity, their sport and feel really good about it and get their body treated and they can get massage, medical massage. And then they can also get trained 
depending on how long they're here. So my vision is now bigger and that I want my place here to be the hub, not the running hub, but the hub of wellness. And so if so, as part of that, I'm going to springboard to what I'm doing with um, with knowing you, Lucas and Charlie, creating a program, a monthly program where we learn about how do we do adventure? What's keeping us from our adventure? How do we look at adventure? And so what I really want to teach is about combining the physical with the energetics and putting that together so that we can get rid of those bubbles or those boxes we live in, free ourselves from that, break the mold and live large. What do we want to do? How do we get there? And, and creating um, those step-by-step -step kind of bullet point pieces on how do we get there? And how do we do it in a way that feels good in our body? And how can we own that? Mm -hmm. And so I want to be able to do that as an online presence, being able to do a series of educational pieces that teach both the physical and the energetic, putting that together so that we can springboard from there to create our adventure in a way that feels really good. And then ultimately, I'd love to have the adventure. And I want to have the adventure here in Crested Butte, whether it be a long week, a weekend, whatever it is, but that my center here is beyond physical therapy, that it is the wellness hub at the base of the mountain. People come here to feel good. And from here, we can go on a really a fun mountain biking adventure, hiking adventure, running adventure, skiing adventure, whatever it is. But that, again, all put together in a way that is really doable, that we're just moving forward. So. so much for just laying it all out for us and also being honest just about what's been showing up for you in terms of like, oh, that didn't work out the way I'd hoped. Because I always feel like, and that's been one of my goals with this podcast, and you just hit it to also give the, the truthful insights so that people who feel like, oh my gosh, this isn't working the way I wanted to, and I must be the only person who can't make this work and just seeing those stories, seeing your thought patterns about how you're adjusting, how you're adapting, how, you, how you're laying out that vision is just a great, great example for people to take notes on to see what's, what's possible, what's necessary. So just thank you for that, first of all. Oh, you're welcome. And I just want to say, again, it's not easy. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's wrong. So though that's one of the things I guess is another takeaway for me in my learning experiences is that I felt if it wasn't, if I had to work too hard, then I was doing the wrong thing because it should be ease and grace. But I think we need to look at that differently and let's just look at it differently. Again, if I'm creating a judgment about it, then I'm not open to the possibilities. So I need to look at what's going on what is my piece of that? What's my judgment on that? Take that away so that the all can come in, the, the creative piece of me can come in and say, oh, well, this came in because I'm not supposed to do that. Because that's not really, if I were to look in my heart of hearts, I don't really want to do that again. So I came to Crested Butte for an adventure. So why am I recreating what I've already done? The universe won't let me do that, right? Because I'm getting like, uh-uh, you can't do that. And so the, oh, you can't do that. It's, it's just me helping myself out saying, okay, what is the adventure for you, Jody? What do you want to do? What's in your heart? 
what would make you happy? And what I just shared with you just gets me so excited. Like I can't, I can't do it fast enough because I want everyone to have this because I think it's going to be really cool. Right. So again, not easy, but I think it's just, if we want to live and we want to really live honestly with ourselves, these things come up to meet us so that we can challenge ourselves to think differently. So on that note, one of the questions that I uh, wrote down for you that I was dying to ask, especially just with the stuff that is going on with the circumstances that we need to be dealing with right now. And people listening right now, I can imagine some of them go like, Oh my gosh, yeah, she's right. I I've been too long off an adventure, let's say, or I have that thirst for something needs to change up. I, I need to just bring a new spark. What would be your challenge to people listening in terms of looking for a new adventure or just switching a little bit of novelty in there? <laughs> into that? My first challenge is go inside and say, are you happy? And I'd say, where is your happiness? Where's your passion? What, what do you want to do that you haven't done before? Get your list of what you want to do that you haven't done. And it could be that you're a couch potato and you just haven't left your door, you know, you haven't opened your door and walked outside and it's just about walking outside. It doesn't have to be big and extreme. It just has to be different than what you're doing. So I'd say make a list. The challenge is first, make that list of what it is that you want to do that you haven't done. The second piece is what's stopping you? What is stopping you from having your adventure? Are you playing these old tapes of I can't? I don't feel good about myself. I don't have the confidence, whatever that is. So whatever's stopping you, find out what that is. And the third would be after that, finding someone like you, Lucas, or, or like me and find out what steps can you take to make that different? Because you chose to come here and during these times, and so how can you make it an adventure for yourself? How can you make it, a just something that allows you to learn and grow and be more of you. And so again, the first challenge is figuring what it is that you want to do that you're not doing. And then um, moving from there. Got it. Those are just two PowerPoints. Thank you so much. I'm going to just journal to that myself after our episode. That was cool. Jody, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Just one of the questions that I wanted to slip in before we start concluding our wonderful time together is also just given your expertise of being just knowing the human body. Are there just some daily practices? You know, people may know that I have some challenges too with my core scoliosis and everything. Are there any daily practice that you mentioned meditation on the mental part, but on the physical side? Are there just any like quick things that you would give to people to be like, you okay, have to yep. do this daily, so first weekly. Thing, yeah. <laughs> so this is just being mindful and being in your body. So I love giving this and it's just called sternum to sun, sternum, breastbone to sun. Mm -hmm. And just every hour on the hour, challenge yourself to figure out where you are in space. So if you're sitting at a computer and you're hunched over and this is your day, and then you think sternum to sun every hour on the hour and not in a military way or in a forced way, but just in how is your body well stacked? How is it that your head is on your shoulders, on your hips, on your sits bones, where you're sitting? Um, how, how does it feel good? So close your eyes and just be in your body, feel what that feels like, compare it to where you've been 
And if you do that every hour on the hour over time, this is going to start being your norm because it feels really good. Mm-hmm. And from that, then you work on core stability and all the other things, but just being present in your body, just that awareness, just as I was talking about earlier about um, being in the moment that challenge yourself of just stop every hour on the hour to think about where, where am I in my mind? What am I thinking about? Am I in the past? Am I projecting to the future? Or am I right here in the present? Same thing with sternum to sun. One, it's an honoring, you know, you're just raising up the all that is, um, but it's just the awareness of where you are in space. Where do you sit? How do you sit? Are you comfortable? And so I think those two together are really great every hour on the hour reminders of one being present in your body and two being present in this moment of time of being conscious. And so I think they work well together um, just to say, where am I at? So that would be one physical thing I would say is a take home from today. Thanks for the challenges. That's just love that actionable piece there at the end. I mean, not to say that the other stuff hasn't been actionable, but just also for the <laughs> physical thigh side. <laughs> Thank you, Jody. So before I get to my last two questions, are there any thoughts, any things that came up for you during our time where you feel like I still need to share this? This just came up for me. I still need to get this out into this episode. I think I did that right in the middle when I was really, um, when it really became clear to me that what allows me to move from one place to another, like from Michigan to Santa Fe, from Santa Fe to Crested Butte is again, using my current skill set. And what I realized is that was just the, uh, that just allowed me that opportunity, but that it was really important that I was up for, but that's not exactly what you're going to be doing. And so even though, um, and this just became again, much more clear for me while we were talking, even though I think I can be somewhere because I can offer this, that's not necessarily why I'm ever in any place. That there's more to me than that. And I think the, um, the challenge for, for me, at least on this, is being able to see how that skill set can be used, but how we can, or how I can, at least in this incident, pull in everything that I am and make it unique and special and different and offer something even better for the community than what I initially thought I could offer. Because I'm open to receiving without judgment the information that's coming in. And so that was really, I mean, that's my take home from our conversation today. Um, one, my excitement about just seeing changes, because I always get excited about change and in, in the the possibilities. But really that um, if we're looking at fear and we're looking at um, the pictures we create or the stories we tell, just busting through all of that so we can see really what our potential is and what what's out there for us to be even bigger and better and, and, and more committed to us and the community and to be able to give back in a way that is who we truly are because we're using our all. Thank you. And thank you for that feedback too, because one of the best pieces of feedback I think I could get for the interviews that we're doing here for the conversations or the goal that I also have, where I know that 
this was good is when the person that I get to speak to, the master whose stories I get to share here, and those people, you also go, you know, this conversation actually brought something new for me. I never thought about this way myself until we spoke about it. So <laughs> yeah. thank you. Very just sweet. Seems like this was just awesome for everyone involved. If people now want to learn more about you, they want to spark their adventure, they want to learn more about you, maybe they're in Crested Butte and want to check you out and check out that hub that is coming up that is being built right now. Where would you direct people to learn more about you? So my website is www.integrationpt.com. So that's where you can read about um, what I'm doing to get people back in their game currently. Um, it doesn't show what the future vision is, but it's a way to keep in touch with me. And you could, there's a link to connect with me via email. And as I build even my email list of people, um, I will keep everybody apprised of what forward motion we're in and what the next turn is gonna be about. Uh, so that's a good way to be in touch with me. Awesome. So as people know, and as always, every single thing, every single resource that we mentioned, the link that Jody mentioned, all the other good stuff will be put into the show notes that will be released with this episode. And that brings me to the very final question that I've been asking every single person that I got to talk to here so far. And that question simply is, what question has made the biggest difference in your life? Say that one more time. What what question has made the biggest difference in your life? Where is my happy? That question of myself is what makes you happy? What drives you? Where are you passionate? And I, I put passion and happy together because I live through my, my passion. And so I'd say that's the biggest driver for me is really going back to here and finding out what, what drives me. Because if it makes me happy, I'm the biggest, baddest, best person I can be for everyone else. And then I'm filling my vessel. I can help everyone fill their vessel. And then we've got that whole feedback going on, which is awesome. Thank you so much for this episode and for everything, Jody. This has been awesome. Lucas, thank you. This was fun. And there you have it, my friend. Congratulations for completing the next step on your master's journey. We hope you enjoyed this episode and got a lot from it to improve your life and work. If you did, please consider taking just one action to help us spread the value. Who do you know who could really benefit from this content right now? Share this episode with them and show them you care about them. Share the episode with your friends and followers on social media or leave us a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Any one of these actions takes less than 60 seconds, but it could change everything for another person. You can find show notes with timestamps, links, quotes, and other details we talked about in this episode at lucascramer.net slash 14. That's L-U-K-A-S krameer.net slash one four. If you've got any feedback or questions, if you want to share aha moments you experienced, or if you simply want to connect, I'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email at lucas at lucaskramer.net. That's lucas at lucaskramer.net. Things are changing and I've got some huge projects in store for you, which I can't wait to complete and share with you. The master's journey truly is getting more and more exciting by the day. 
With that, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your day and see you super soon.